Amen. Thank you, Wilma. I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll be what you want me to be. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis 12 tonight. We have been going through, not verse by verse, but some of the kind of hitting some high spots as we started in the book of Genesis, uh, particularly related to Noah, and then now moving, we looked at the Tower of Babel, and now Tonight we look at the faith of Abraham, and we're going to spend some time over the next several Sunday nights looking at Abram, Abraham, and Lot, and some of those experiences that they had, and what we can learn from this man who's been called the father of the faith, uh, not just our faith, but he is uh, believed to be by a people in the world, the father of three different religions, Judaism. Uh, Christianity, as well as the Islamic faith. Uh, now, we know that he really isn't the father of the Islamic faith. They just appropriated him. They claimed him when they wrote, uh, when Muhammad wrote the Quran. And he changed a lot of what's in the scripture to go along with what he wanted people to believe. And so uh, we know that Abram. Uh, truly is the father of the Jewish people. And we see tonight that the faith of Abraham really was the beginning, the seed of the gospel. And uh, it's even called that in the New Testament. So if you look in Genesis 12, I want to read the first nine verses. And then we're going to look at them more closely. Genesis 12, beginning verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the, to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. In the call of Abram, later to become Abraham, we see how he came to faith. And really, it's the story of how we all come to faith. 
And quite simply, that is through the grace of God. We see in this call that this great man of faith really went through the same process that we have to go through when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Without question, other than Jesus, Abram, renamed Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. If you look over there, you'll see that that's when God changed his name. Uh, Abram means uh, that he is a great father, but Abraham means the father of a multitude. And so as uh, the promise began to unfold that he would be the father of a great nation and many people, then God changed his name to Abraham. The writers of the New Testament consistently look back to Abraham and call him the father of the faithful. We're encouraged to follow his path of faith. But where did his faith begin? All of a sudden here in chapter 12, we, we, are, we just have this man, this great man, Abram. He was the son of Terah. And that's mentioned there in chapter 11. If you look in verse 27, this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldees. So when God said to Abram to get out of your country, he was talking about leaving the Ur, uh, the place called Ur of the Chaldees. And then verse 31, And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So the call of God had come to Abram uh, to leave Ur the Chaldees and Haran, the place that they had been when Terah died. And this call came from God himself. And so when we think about Abraham, we see that scholars often will say that in this place, which was in part of Babylon, that Nana was the moon god. Because you see, this place Ur of the Chaldees and that part of the world, it was pagan. So here you have a pagan being called by God to follow him. And God is still in the business of saving pagans, people who are utterly without him, without the knowledge of him, people who don't have the knowledge of the truth. And just like the word of the Lord went to Abram in that place, then it still can go to people today. So the God's in the saving business, the transforming business. He was then and he still is now. And they'd said that there in that part of, of Babylon, uh, that part of the world at that time, that they believed in a moon god, one of the most popular objects of worship called Nana. And interestingly, Terah, Abram's father, meant the name Terah means Mooney, M-O-O-N-Y. 
as if it was somehow connected to or related to the worship of this moon god. But it wasn't the moon god that called on Abram. It was the god of all creation, the only god, the true god, reached down and called this man Abram out of obscurity to become the father of the faithful. He revealed himself somehow to Abram. It doesn't go into detail, does it? It doesn't tell us exactly how he communicated this to Abram. But it just says he called him. Now the Lord had said to Abram. That's how it starts off. And he communicated to him in a way that he understood. We don't know how this message was communicated to this young man, but it was clear. And Abram did what the Lord commanded. He started on the journey to the land that the Lord would show to him. And at that moment, he became a person of faith. So he had the call of God on his life. He heard the word of the Lord, and then he acted on it. And when you boil it down, that's always how people come to faith. They hear the word of the Lord, and they respond to it by doing what God has said to do. So let's look at these two things in particular. Abram heard the word of the Lord. The word came as a call. And for Abram, it meant he was going to leave his country, leave his home. It meant following God to a land that God would show to him. And for us, when God calls, called us, he called us to repent, to believe, to leave the life that we knew and understood and instead now put our trust and faith in him to forgive us of our sin, but also then to lead us in the way that we should go. The word came to Abram not only as a call, but as a promise. And we see this incredible promise right here at the beginning that God made to Abram. Isn't this interesting? God calls this man out of obscurity, and at the very beginning of, of his journey, he tells him that I'm going to make of you a great nation. Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Now, had Abram done anything to earn that or to deserve that? Nothing's recorded. It was simply God reaching down and by his grace making the decision that this man was going to be the man that he would use. And through him, the nation of Israel would come, and out of Israel would come the Messiah, the Son of God, who would save all people from their sins, all who trust in him. And so there's never a greater example of the grace of God just reaching down and touching a life than right here with this man, Abram, in a pagan land, a man who clearly had been brought up as a pagan, and now here was God bringing the word to him, the call. And he responded to that call. This promise came upon Abraham. And he says, I will bless you. Uh, you, will make you. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him 
who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think this is an enduring promise. It's a promise that continues to this day. And uh, it is very crucial, as you look down through history and even to, to, to this moment, that those who bless the people of Israel, the Jewish people, God has blessed. And those who curse them, God has destroyed. And I think that will continue to be the case. The Missourian president, Harry Truman, you know, he was a Baptist. Uh, he's not known uh, maybe primarily for being a Baptist. He's known for some other things. But he was a Baptist. He was a Christian. And I think he knew about this promise. And he was the president. He was the man who is more than any other person on earth, other than God himself, is responsible for Israel reconstituting as a nation. Because after World War II, he went to bat for the nation of Israel. He's the one who persuaded the United Nations, the newly formed United Nations, to recognize Israel as a nation. And the way he did it was, he just recognized them. The United States recognized Israel as a nation. And he knew if, that if he led the United States to do it, the rest of the world would follow. And that's exactly what happened. That was a bold thing to do. But he did it. And I think God led him to do it. And the United States has been blessed because of it. We, we got a lot of problems, a lot of faults. But I think rising above all, all of that is we, we have done one really tremendous thing. We've done a lot of wonderful things. But one of the greatest is that we have stood up for the nation of Israel. And we still do. And we should continue to do that. Because there's an explicit promise here to Abraham and his descendants that I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And I think that will endure until the end of the age. Now, this promise to Abraham, it didn't go unnoticed in the New Testament. In fact, uh, we know from the New Testament how crucial this promise is. And the response that Abraham gave when God called him to follow. If you look at Galatians 3, Galatians 3, it's almost shocking how explicit Galatians 3, 6 through 9 is. It's, it's not something that's often read, but if you look at Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9, you have almost a commentary on this very passage that we are looking at here tonight. Let me read that for you, if I can get to it. Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. It, I'll start with verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Isn't that amazing? So the New Testament, looking back to this experience of Abraham, says that God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand by saying to him, in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So what's that talking about? Because God already had planned that Jesus, the Messiah, would come from the descendants of Abraham, from the nation of Israel. And the New Testament describes that as the gospel being preached beforehand to Abraham, before the gospel existed, before Jesus had ever come, before he had died on the cross and risen from the dead, and the proclamation began, the gospel was preached to Abraham. The seed of the gospel was there that God was already working out and planning through Abraham and his descendants that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And more explicitly, it says in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And so here, all the way back at this beginning moment with Abram, you had God in Galatians as he inspired it to be written saying that looking down through history, from that moment, God was going to justify the Gentiles by faith just as he justified Abraham by faith. Do you see that? That Abraham was not saved by works. The Old Testament, there's so much misunderstanding. There are so many people that think, well, in the Old Testament, people were saved by uh, sacrificing birds and goats and lambs. And they were sacrificed based on, they were saved based on the sacrificial system, trying to keep the law. And then in the New Testament, people are saved by grace. No, people have always been saved by grace. No one's ever been saved who wasn't saved by the grace of God. Abraham was saved by grace. He believed God and it was accounted to him. The old, there's an old word, it's translated in some of the uh, King James Version and some other translations. It was imputed to him for righteousness. And the word imputed means it was credited to his account. It was marked on his account. And so Abraham, before the law was ever given, before there were any sacrifices that were laid out in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, before any of that ever happened, Abraham believed God when he called him. And it was credited to him. It was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, he was saved by grace through faith. Now, he didn't have the full understanding that we have because he didn't know Jesus. God was going to use him to bring about the coming of the Messiah, coming from his descendants. But he trusted God as God called him. And it was that act of God's grace reaching down and touching him and changing his life, just as we now are changed by the grace of God through the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I hope that you're clear, always will be clear, that salvation has always been in the same way. It's always through gra by grace, through faith, 
and in the Old Testament looking ahead to Jesus and what he would accomplish, and now for us looking back to the cross and the resurrection and what Jesus accomplished. But it's always by grace through faith. That quote that uh, Galatians uses is from Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. So if you look at Genesis 15, you have uh, the statement that was then quoted in the New Testament. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And so there in Genesis 15, it says that of Abram, that he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then Romans 4, 3, it says, What shall we say then, that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and he was accounted to him for righteousness. That's in Romans chapter 4. And verse 3, do you see how again and again, both in Genesis and then we saw in Galatians, in Romans, and now James 2.23, James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So again and again, at least three times in the New Testament, it looks back to Abraham, and it says of him, he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was saved by God's grace through faith. And so in uh, the life, the faith of Abraham, he heard the call, he heard the promise, and he experienced the saving power that only God could bring. The gospel that we hear is full of promises. It promises eternal life. It promises forgiveness. It promises the gift of the Holy Spirit comes into the life of every person who receives Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells them and never leaves. It promises a new relationship with God, peace and acceptance before God. Faith comes by hearing, the New Testament says, and hearing by the word of God. Abram heard the word of God. And that's how it always happens. You have to hear the word of God and then you have to heed the word of God. And that's what Abram did. Now, some try to make a, a almost a war between faith and works. And the whole book of James is about that, isn't it? And it's horribly misunderstood. And there are people that try to say that, no, we're not saved by, by grace through faith. We're saved by works. Faith without works is dead, James said. That's true. It is. But the, the reality is, if you have faith and Christ has come into your life, there are going to be works that will follow. They go together. It's not that you're saying you're saved by the works you do, but you're saved for the purpose of good works in order to glorify God. And that reveals the faith that you have. Look what Abram, he was called by God. God said, get out of your country. 
and start this journey. And what did Abram do? He started the journey, which, which, re, which reveals the reality that God had changed his life. He wouldn't have been willing to do that, to go to a land that he'd never been to before. Why would he do that? Because he believed God. And God's grace and power had changed his life, and as a result, he now was willing to heed the word of the Lord. And so when we trust God and uh, give our lives to him, then obedience will follow. And that is the second part here that we see in this passage. Abram was willing to heed the word of God. The word has to be acted upon. Abram did more than hear. He gave heed to what he heard. He did what God told him to do. And then this great promise came to him. He could not possibly have understood what God was saying to him at that moment. But he just step by step did what God told him to do. Now we're going to see he wasn't perfect. He, he made some mistakes along the way, didn't he? And that's true of all of us. But God used him anyway. Because he was not God's uh, servant based on how perfect he was. He was God's servant because God called him and saved him. And he then began to follow the direction that God wanted him to follow. He veered off the path a few times, but he always came back to where God wanted him to be. And God used him in an incredible way. We heed through our obedience to the word. And really, obedience is the flip side of faith. It's not that they are uh, two different coins opposite to each other. They're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. When you have faith, when you are saved, then you want to be obedient to the Lord and heed what he says to do. We heed the Lord, and I'm using the word heed, H-E-E-D, meaning we obey, we follow we heed the Lord through our dependence upon him. Abram was completely dependent on God. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what, what he was supposed to do exactly. But he knew God was leading him and he followed. And that is the pattern that we are to follow. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Follow me. Pull your boats up on shore. Leave everything. Follow me. He didn't say where you're going to end up. He didn't, he didn't have it all mapped out. He didn't have, you know, the plan of totally fleshed out, A, B, C, D, and E. He just said, follow me. The real pattern of the New Testament and the Old Testament, people of faith, what are we supposed to do? We follow. We follow the word of the Lord. And uh, he has a way of leading us to where we need to be. And he provides what we need along the way to accomplish what he wants. Not what we want, but what he wants. And so here was a man, the faith of Abram, called of God, he obeyed, and it was a result of this transforming power and grace that had come into his life. We also heed the Lord through our confession. One way that Abram made his faith public was what did he do? He built an altar. Did you notice that in the passage that we read here? When he got the opportunity, he built an altar and he worshipped. And that revealed that he loved God and he wanted God to be glorified. He wanted God to be honored.
The New Testament tells us we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and we believe with our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. We give honor and glory to him. And so finally, just a question, just a brief question. Are we hearing and heeding the word the way Abram did? Have we heard the word of the Lord? I th- I, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't heard the call of God in your life. Uh, you would not be here on a Sunday night if at some point in your life you hadn't heard the word of the Lord. And you're following him. And that's what God has called us to do. And some would say, well, is it really that simple? You just hear the call of God and you follow? Every day. Every way. The rest of our lives. That's what we're called to do. I can't tell you where the path is going to take you next month or a year from now or ten years from now. I can tell you where it's going to end up. You're going to end up in the face-to-face presence of God. That's where it's going to end up. But from here to there... Day by day, as individuals, as a church, we're just called to follow what God sets in front of us and to do it with joy and to do it with faithfulness and to always give honor and glory to the name of Jesus who has saved us and made us whole. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for the faith of Abram. Thank you for how you used him, called him from obscurity, and just set him on the pathway of obedience. And Lord, we thank you for for what we learn from his life. And that is that it's all about you. It's about your call. It's about your saving power. It's about your grace and mercy. And we simply follow and do what you set before us. Out of our love for you and our desire that your name would be made great and glorified in this world. We pray, Lord, tonight if there are decisions that we need to make in our heart, publicly or privately, we just pray you'll lead us and help us to follow you, be obedient to you. Thank you for each one here. Now speak to our hearts. And Lord, may we make the decisions before you that would be pleasing in your sight. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our